Welcome to the Global Digital Banker Podcast. My name is Adele Grissop and this week I'm catching up with Gerald Ferguson, Managing Director for Asia Pacific at RFI Group, to discuss the emerging digital needs of corporates. Gerald, thanks for joining me. No worries, Adele, and good morning. So can you start by sharing a bit of an overview of the current state of the market? What is the current preference for digital? Yeah, I think um, it's an interesting question because when we look at or talk at digital in a lot of our research, we tend to focus on the consumer side of things because that tends to be where a lot of the disruption is being talked about and being seen. But I actually think in the commercial space, we're seeing a lot more advancements in the use of digital. We're seeing a faster shift to the preference for digital amongst corporates particularly in things like payments, and we'll talk to our corporates that we speak a lot about um, the need for digital in around things like cross-border payments, um, real-time payments, transfers, invoicing. That's a really big part of the proposition that banks and and also uh, non-bank providers are are really looking at. I can imagine with businesses continuing to grow cross-border operations that they're looking for something that integrates well and remains seamless for them. So how does this compare to the past, say, 12 to 24 months? Have you seen any significant changes regionally or on a global scale? Yeah, we have seen some changes regionally. A lot of the change that we're seeing actually is being driven out of Asia. Um, there's a couple of factors for that. I think what we're seeing just in terms of the, the wider sort of uh, economic climate, in terms of the trade Um, We've seen, obviously, the Belt and Road Initiative, which is being driven out of China, has brought a lot more focus on the regional capabilities of banking partners. So the corporates are are looking to their banking and finance partners to be, as you said, be further focused on on the regional capabilities of these things. And of course, with all of these things, time is of the essence. So that obviously has a shift towards the digital aspect as well, because digital provides a much faster solution uh, than we used to see. So certainly in the last 12 months, we've seen a move towards a preference around digital. Um, We've also interestingly seen out of our research that digital banking or online banking uh, is becoming uh, one of the more common reasons. In fact, one of the top three reasons cited by the corporates that we speak to across Asia, one of the top three reasons as a reason why they may be looking to switch a banking relationship in the next 12 months as well. Okay, so that's interesting that you mentioned that. So how important is it to have a good digital offering? You mentioned switching. How likely is it that people are looking to switch in order to obtain a better digital offering? Yeah, I think, again, slightly different to the consumer aspect. And when you look at corporates, the switching rates of corporates from a total banking relationship perspective is actually quite low. They don't tend to move an entire banking relationship. What we do see is they will very happily open up other banking relationships, they will try other providers, particularly if it um, is a, something related to price or a, a service proposition. So they're happy to hold multiple relationships. And what that means is that other players or third-party players around fringe products like payments will be able to open up and engage with corporates potentially faster than the, the banks can. And then, of course, then it's a playoff between you know how good is that proposition around a cross-border payment facility or a trade facility for me versus what I could potentially get through my bank, where traditionally a lot of those relationships would be done through the relationship manager. You mentioned their payments as a key factor to considering new banks or FS companies. So what other banking tasks do they want to be completing via digital? Are there any disparities between online versus mobile? Yeah, that's a good question. I think um, a couple of things that we're seeing out of the research is that in fact, when we talk about digital expectation, Um, and digital experience, the shift is almost surpassing internet banking and it is moving to tablet or mobile, particularly again in in Asia and and Australia where we're seeing a lot of that 
relationship shift to a tablet or a mobile banking device. Uh, and we've also seen some banks move to that. So HSBC, Standard Chartered have been quite active in pursuing their digital engagement through the corporate banking sector. It's not just payments. Uh, there's a lot of other things that the customers have a preference to do digitally, particularly, again, and I keep coming back to trade, but really things around trade finance. Lending is something that customers are very happy to or would like to rather have some sort of engagement in digital. However, I think what we're seeing there is a bit of a uh, almost a step back to the old school because I think customers would be very happy to do certain things digitally, but actually that old school relationship manager and that human element is really important in that lending relationship because it is such a large part of the corporate banking relationship. So a company that's it's kind of taking an interesting take on that is Judo Capital in, in Australia, where they um, are quite deliberately pushing their human element and their RMs, but it's a very digital-led proposition. So it's a nice mix of uh, both the digital side and, and the human side. With corporates varying in terms of their needs and interaction requirements, do you see a time where a corporate banking offering would be fully digital or do you think there'll always be that need for face-to-face interaction in this space? Probably a bit of a traditionalist in this sense. I will always lean towards the fact, and certainly from a lot of the research that we see, when things get complicated or when things go wrong, I think customers, whether they're, they're mass market personal customers or they're high-end corporates, I think they still want some sort of human interaction. There is obviously a preference to do things digitally. I think for the banking and financial services institutions who are playing in this space, it's about getting the balance right. It's about having the options and the choice available for their customers. I personally think that there will always be a role for humans, particularly in the corporate banking space or the the more complex um, banking products, particularly again around lending, around trade. There will always be an element of human capacity needed there. So I don't think it'll go fully digital. Just looking at, again, the research that we see where we've we've almost seen a a swing of the pendulum back to the traditional banking um, relationship, not so much from an RM piece, but more from that core banking proposition with a breadth of product and a breadth of relationship. And interestingly, I think we saw some some numbers out of the US last night that were related to the, there was a bit of a dip in the stock market. It was driven heavily um, by the tech side of things, so the NASDAQ kind of led the drive down of the stock market. Potentially, that suggests that the market's reached a peak in their digital appetite. Traders are starting to move away from that. So potentially, you know, a question maybe is, have we seen the top of the tree, the top of the hill, if you like, in terms of that digital engagement? And are banks and customers finding an equilibrium around around that? So it's clear that having a good digital offering is extremely important and that corporates are willing to consider other institutions if they do have that sort of offering. When it comes to digital implementation, there's a significant investment from these organisations. So to what extent does the digital offering actually impact the business's KPIs? What's the incentive here? There is certainly a a need to have a strong digital capability in, in, in whatever you're doing and however you're dealing with these corporates because that expectation is there. I think the thing we need to remember is that, you know, corporates are humans as well. So they have personal banking relationships. A lot of them have grown up with banking. They've seen the, the personal banking side move to digital. There's an expectation that they should be able to do some things digitally. Everything that we see from our data is if you have a corporate customer who is happy with your digital engagement, is happy with your digital solutions, they are going to be less likely to switch. They're going to be more loyal. 
which means that they're more likely to, to shift mm. their business to you. And I, I did say earlier that customers are happy to have multiple relationships. A lot of that is really based around price rather than um, the speed of the transaction. It, mm. It's a pure price play. So if you can give them a good digital experience, they would prefer to bank with a consolidated set of partners, I think. So I definitely think that having that in your armory, having a good, strong digital yeah. um, will have benefits for the long run in terms of customer engagement. Uh, in terms of growing your customer base. It's a defensive play, obviously, against the likes of TransferWise, for instance, or, or Revolut, who are coming after that tra that transfer and payment space, which, again, as I said, is probably the most disrupted piece of the corporate uh, banking relationship. Everything we're seeing from the lending disruption space, whilst there is quite a few online corporate lenders out there, particularly in Australia, uh, I still think that the traditional banking model has a place and it has a part to play in that. Well, thank you so much for sharing those insights. It's great to see the continued progression in this space. One last question before we finish up. Do you have any case studies of banks or FS companies that you see really leading the way here? I mentioned Judo before, an interesting kind of case study in Australia, particularly focused around lending, but they've been growing out their proposition to further and, and wider products. Um, as I said, they have a, a very good mix of a digitally led personable operation. So um, a lot of people that they bring on board are ex-bankers, um, but they support them very well with the digital offering. You know, the, the banks in, in Asia, in the corporate space, I mentioned HSBC and Standard Chartered are doing a lot of work around their, um, their trade capabilities and digitizing that and digitizing their RMs. So it's not so much a full digital off offering, if you like. It's where we're seeing case studies of either new players or banks really leveraging digital along with their traditional um, ways of servicing these customers to give them the complete offering. Gerald, thank you so much for your time and for sharing that insightful information with us. Not a problem, Adele. Thanks very much. To our listeners, we hope you enjoyed this week's episode. To discover more content from the podcast, visit our website and subscribe at globaldigitalbanker.com. To stay in the loop for upcoming episodes, be sure to follow us on social, Twitter at GDB Podcast, LinkedIn at RFI Group, or on Instagram under Global Digital Banker. If you're interested in being a part of the show or would like to let us know what you think of this episode, email us at gdbpodcast at rfigroup.com.